Good morning. My name is Dwayne Stolzfus. I'm professor of communication here at Goshen College and director of the core general ed program. And it's my pleasure to introduce our, our guest speaker for this convocation this morning. You may never have been formally introduced to him, but I'm guessing you know him, at least you know him by sight, in that uh, you've probably seen him running across campus at one point or another on a 10-mile run or a 15-mile run or 20-mile run, maybe with a jogging stroller in front of him. He's Justin Gillette, and he's been running marathons since age 16. On the day that he graduated from high school in Arkansas, he ran a marathon, and he's been running since. He's a, a three-time All-American. Uh, he was here at Goshen College in the marathon. He still holds the record, 229.14. And while he was here at Goshen College, he had a heartfelt conversation with Val Hershberger, professor here, and his academic advisor at the time. I hope it's okay for me to say this, Justin. He said that he had two goals. One, he wanted to be good enough at running that he could do that for a living, professional runner. And he also wanted to meet his wife here. And as it turns out, the harder challenge may have been getting, uh, securing that, uh, that spouse here. He likes to say that uh, it took him three years of trying before Melissa Lehman, who was also a standout runner here at Goshen College, agreed to go out on a date with him. In the end, he graduated in 2005 on track for a professional career in running and marriage to Melissa, who is here with us this morning as our, her parents welcome. His fastest marathon ever was a 225. Two hours, 25 minutes, which is a five minute 30-second pace, and he ran that in Scranton, Pennsylvania. But as far as numbers go, the most significant would have to be that on March 23rd of this year, he won his 100th marathon. It was a quarter-horse marathon in Madison County, Kentucky, and that ranks him now second in the country in total marathon victories. And I have to say, one thing about Justin is he picks up friends as easily as he does trophies in running. Um, among the people who were on hand to watch him win that 100th were Joe from Pennsylvania, Carol from Arkansas, Vincent from California, a few of the many friends uh, that he's picked up uh, in his running life. And he was also joined that day by Melissa and their four children. I think I'll talk today a little bit about uh, how the victories haven't always come easily. And uh, he's, he's suffered from an, an esophagus uh, condition that's led to a, a different kind of a sobering tally. In a record article in the fall, uh, there, was, there was mention that he's had the Heimlich maneuver performed more than 100 times. But I'm sure he would rather have us focus on the other 100 that 100th victory race. And I'd like you to get just a glimpse of what that day was like. So folks, if you would run that videotape. Hundreds of 
Thousands of people compete in marathons every year across the country. Finishing is a, an accomplishment on its own, but winning on another level. WSBT 22's Max Lewis talked to a Goshen man who's done his fair share of winning. Most people can't even imagine finishing a marathon. This is my first one I ever won. Let alone winning one. This is a, a ring that I got for winning a marathon in the Bahamas. But for Justin like Gillette of Goshen, winning has become sort of so a habit. He began running marathons at age 16, even signing up for one on graduation day. You ran the marathon in the morning and then went to high school graduation? In the, in the afternoon, yeah, and I was so sore and so blistered on my feet. He loved it so much that he's run marathons in more than 30 states and a few countries. But last weekend was a special one. Last weekend on the 23rd of March is when I won my 100th marathon. You heard that right. 100 marathon wins. Last weekend, he became only the second person in the country to do so. But the way he talks about it, you'd think it was just another race. But it was, it was a fun family moment. It was kind of neat. And what started out as a hobby quickly became a career. But they buy the house. The loan officer is like, so, so what are you going to do for work? I said, well, my wife's going to get her PhD. I said, oh, I'm just going to run a lot of marathons and, and win them. And the loan officer said, uh, not sure that's a secure income. But it has been. Gillette has paid off that house and helped put his wife through a PhD program at Notre Dame. He's become a sort of celebrity in the marathon world. He even has his own bobblehead. Yeah, it doesn't talk, but it does give you compliments. Like, am I doing good? And then just, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Is WSPT your favorite station? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's even become famous in his neighborhood. Coming home after his 100th win, he saw signs posted next door and across the street congratulating him. Signed, Your Proud Neighbors. And if you thought he was stopping at 100, you'd be wrong. And now that I've won my 100th, well, you know, I've, I've won marathons in like 30 states. I might as well try to win one in, in the other 20 states or so that I haven't won it. He says it won't be long until his next. After finishing one, he's always ready to start again and literally hit the ground running. I like that bobblehead there. I know, <laughs> I love that. Gillette says that after winning and getting second so many times, he's starting to rack up those trophies that he's just starting to give them away. He says he's going to be taking off a couple weeks for family, but says he'll be back at it in no time. Gosh, <laughs> making me tired just thinking about it. I know. Congratulations to him. Yeah, though. for sure. I mean, 26.2 miles is that marathon. And I was telling you earlier, I don't think I can run a mile on my own, you know, so yeah. I can imagine 26. 26.2 times 100. Woo, I a lot know. of miles. <laughs> yeah. And that's just the ones he's won. Think about all the races he's gotten second in. So that's right. it's just been unbelievable. Great story. Thank you so yeah. much, Max. Thanks, In 2012, I was paid $1,000 to speak at this event. Every person who attended spent $40 for tickets. There was literally people from the podium clear of the ocean. We were on the beach in the Hawaii. Today, I'm speaking for free <laughs> in front of college students who are required to attend. I need to fire my agent. <laughs> Speaking of firing things, I had big plans. I had goals. I had dreams. I was going to get a t-shirt cannon and fire t-shirts into the crowd. The college told me that a t-shirt cannon closely resembles a gun. 
This is a gun-free campus. So if you will, I will throw these into the crowd, and I'll just make gun noises while I do that. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Boom! <laughs> All right. Yeah. I hope nobody got hurt. <laughs> Anyhow, I've won a lot of marathons. And you know what happens when you win a lot of marathons? People asking the same question over and over and over. Do your knees hurt? <laughs> yes, they do. And you get another question. Which marathon victory is your favorite? Well, I've been asked this question enough times, I know Nobody is impressed with the marathons you win in the Mennonite states of Iowa, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana. People do not care if you won marathons in those states. They want to hear about the ones that are far away. So I say this. I've gone to Hawaii seven times to run marathons. I've never flown back a loser. In Hawaii, I've set multiple course records. I became a celebrity over there. I'm so famous in Hawaii that they asked me to do radio advertisements for McDonald's there. <laughs> uh, 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 I remember my lines. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm Justin Gillette, marathon champion, here to tell you that breakfast, lunch, or dinner, McDonald's can make you a winner. Now serving at three locations on the big island, Hilo, Kona, and Wamei. I plan to stop in after my run today. Da -da 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 -da. I'm loving it. <laughs> now I'll tell you something, that is not false advertisement because I did stop in after my run that day and the next day. My payment for doing that advertisement for McDonald's was free McDonald's for the entire week I was there in Hawaii. So I went before my run, during my run, after my run. <laughs> you know how many nights are, we like free. Yeah, so anyhow, I became pretty famous in Hawaii. Now, it's sad that I got to fly 6,000 miles to go somewhere where I'm well known, but that happens. And uh, the biggest coffee farm in Hawaii has taken five acres of their farm and planted trees for famous people. And there's a Justin Gillette tree. I think that's pretty cool. That's not my favorite victory. None of those marathons are my favorite. Because I've won two marathons in the Bahamas. Now, in the Bahamas, there's a restaurant that has my racing jersey hanging up in it. I get to eat there for free the rest of my life. Free is my favorite flavor. <laughs> so, that's not my favorite marathon win either. I once went to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and I was in a dogfight of a battle. I had to run a 509 last mile to win. I made $1,950. That was a very uh, gratifying victory to have to out-sprint a Kenyan at the end. But that's not my favorite victory. I went to Kalamazoo, Michigan one time. The pre-race newspaper article said, it's going to take a little bit of luck to break this course record. I said, well, all right, we'll try that. I break that course record by eight minutes. <laughs> I ran a 505 last mile, and it was uphill. And I made sure I told them that 
I read your article, said it was going to take a little bit of luck to break the course record. That's kind of funny, isn't it? And uh, so anyhow, uh, the guy didn't think it was as funny as I did. But that's not my favorite victory. My favorite victory is deciding in life that I was going to be the victor and not the victim when life threw circumstances my way that I couldn't control. The first unfortunate circumstance I had was the bad luck of being born into generational poverty. I did not pick to have poor parents. They did not pick to have poor parents. But here we are, we're poor, just living the good life on welfare. My parents never bought a house, neither one of them. Their parents, my mom's parents, she lost her house three years ago when the economy went bad. My dad's mom, she died in 2017. She did not have drinking water in her house the last two years of her life. So my family has always been poor. So when you grow up poor, life sucks. My mom raised us three boys in Missouri. Small town, 683 people. Everybody knows everybody. And it, that's kind of great, because when you're in a small town and people know you, people want to help you out. So growing up, this husband and wife in our school district, Randy and Marge Matisson, they saw me and they said, you know, I want to help that boy out. So they made sure I had clothes all through elementary school. Randy and Marge Matisson, what kind of clothes you need? What kind of clothes you need? They'd buy me clothes. The middle school principal, Miss Mertens, for the life of me, I don't know her first name, because we just did things Mr. and Mrs. back then, not like Goshen, where it's Val and Doug and Dwayne. I mean, that's weird, that's weird stuff, by the way. But uh, where I come from, you use Mr. and Mrs. So I, I don't know Miss Mertens' first name. I never, never heard it. But she made sure my family had Christmas presents growing up. Growing up poor, my mom, she's not educated. My dad, he's not educated. They were both C-average students in high school. My mom never made more than a dollar above minimum wage. When I was in high school, middle school, minimum wage is $4.25. So she's making four and a half, four seventy-five an hour. And with three boys, there's just not enough money to go around. I see your phone's on, buddy. Well, what's more exciting, me or the phone? Anyhow, so <laughs> sorry. But one thing, when we grew up poor, we had a lot of stuff to overcome. We did not have money consistently for food. We didn't have money for furniture. We lived in the HUD housing apartments, which is where the poor people live on Bogey Street. And uh, down in that town, if I just tell people I lived in the poor people apartments on Bogey Street, everybody kind of, <gasps> you know, because that was not a fun spot to live. I remember, just like it was yesterday, the days where the church would bring in food to our family. I, I remember one time they bringing in food, groceries, not just meals, I'm talking groceries. I just remember telling my mom, Mom, I could drink milk. And how she would get very emotional because she couldn't provide that milk for us. You know, WIC would give you free stuff, but then once the kids grow up, you can't get WIC anymore. And food stamps sometimes don't cover enough when you got three boys. And uh, I decided from a young age I didn't like that life. I don't like being poor. So I was 13 years old. I spent a whole month of time from January 12th to February 14th. I spent that whole month of time writing down what I was going to be with my life. What am I going to do? I'm going to be athletic. I'm already handsome, so I might as well add athletic to it. <laughs> I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be a millionaire by 38. That's my goal. I'm going to use my athletics to go to college. 
And you know what I'm going to do when I'm at college? I'm going to tell my academic advisor I'm here to make uh, a career running and I'm here to find a wife. That was my goals. I was going to live close to the college I went to. I didn't know where I was going to go to college, but I wanted to create a new life, a new social group, and I wanted to live there, start over. Another thing I was going to do is I was going to get 91 awards. I have no idea why I wrote 91 awards down on that list. I was going to get 91 awards. I didn't know why, but I wrote that down. And I was going to be the generation that stops generational poverty. So to achieve this, my plan was I was going to be the hardest working athlete that any coach, regardless of the sport, has ever coached. I did basketball. I was at practice before anybody else, working hard, after practice, working hard, I did running. I run, 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 run. So I was going to be the hardest working athlete there is. And then I was going to work any job that paid. Here I am working for free. But anyway, I was going to work any job that paid money. There is no way of making money that was going to be beneath me. So I was 13 years old. I have these big ambitions. And I started going at it hard. I got... Lawn mowing business I start up. I end up having 27 yards I'm mowing. Shift change. And uh, I'm working that night at a grocery store. I'm working, working, working. When you work a lot, you get tired. And boy, I had to take naps. And I always took a nap in English class. <laughs> Miss Sargent. Boy, I, I love that teacher. She's a, she's a great Miss Sargent. I just love her. So I'm taking a nap in English class every day. Just like, and uh, well, one day I'm sleeping, and she grabs me by the ear. Back then it was legal, you could do that. She, <laughs> she grabs me by the ear, pulls me into the hallway, and said, Justin, what are you going to do with your life? Well, good thing I wrote that life list out when I was 13. So I said, well, this is what I'm going to be. I'm going to be athletic. I'm going to be handsome. I'm going to be rich. I'm going to have a nice wife. I'm going to have some kids. And I'm going to go, you know, everything's going to be great for me. And she said, how are you going to do that if you don't go to college? I said, well, I guess I didn't think about that. You know, okay. So she, she says, have you done any campus visits yet? No. Have you applied for any colleges yet? No. <laughs> do, you, do you know you're graduating high school soon? <laughs> I guess I know I better get going, you know. So she, she helps me out. She decides that she's going to be the one because my parents ain't going to help me for nothing. My Miss Sargent decides she'll be the one helping me do admissions and filling out all these forms. And so I picked to come to Goshen College. They didn't pick me, I picked them. And uh, so she fills out the papers, we get here, and here we are. And now we're at Goshen College. Yeah, the dream's coming true. It's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. Now just run hard and find a wife. That's two things left to do. I got her, you know. But, uh, first day of practice, I go to practice. That's just great. And they, they give me some clothes. I say, well... I'm going to mail these back to my teacher. So I box those suckers up, mail them back down to Missouri to my teacher. Thanks for getting me to college. Well, the coach didn't like that. He said, where are you all your clothes at? I said, well, I lost them, coach. I lost them. I didn't lose them. I mailed them to my teacher. And uh, college was great, though. My food insecurities were gone. I could eat whatever I wanted at the cafeteria. That was easy. I would walk over there. There was more food. That was great. It's like magic. And, and uh, college also gives you a free pair of shoes to run in. Man, that was it. I was living the dream. Well, I figured out something pretty quick with running shoes. The more you run, the quicker they wear out. You run, 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 run. Next thing you know, the wore out. And uh, so I'm running a lot of miles, 15 and a half miles a day. 
I averaged for the entire year, not just a week, month, no, the entire year. My shoes are wearing out. I go to the coach. I say, Coach Lyle Miller, you know, uh, my shoes get wore out, Coach. He said, yeah, that happens. You'll get a new pair next season. I said, Coach, you know, if I got a new pair more often, my legs would feel better. You know, I'd get more awards for the college and do better, you know. He said, you get one pair of shoes for the season. All right, Coach. All right. Frugal Mennonites, first encounter with them. They're tight. They're tight. <laughs> they tight with their money. So I, I said, all right, that's just how it's going to be, you know. Well, Coach Lyle Miller takes me and my uh, hopeful girlfriend. We ain't dating yet. I keep asking. She keeps saying no. She take, takes me and her down to Huntsville, Alabama. Going to run the marathon down there. It's not for the college. It's just for me. It's during, uh, what do you call it, spring, uh, winter break in December. So he takes me down there, and I run well. I run so good, I make some money. I make a prize money. And so Lyle Miller goes over to the race directors and says, hey, I'm Justin's coach. He's finally happy to be my coach. He said, I'm Justin's coach. And you know, he can't take that money because he's a college student. But I'm the coach. Uh, I'd gladly ha have you donate that money to the program if you would like to write a check out to Goshen College track team. So they did. They did. They write a check out. My, my, my money. It's my money. I did it. I go into the coach's office. And I say, hey, Lyle, I heard you got a nice uh, sizable donation recently to the track team. How about some more running shoes? And uh, from that day on, Lyle got me all the shoes I ever wanted. Doug Yoder, he's in the audience. He became my coach. He got me all the shoes I ever wanted. It was great. Life was going good. I get out of Goshen. Finally, I'm dating a nice-looking lady. Things are going great. I found out something about running. I'll tell you a secret. Y'all don't tell nobody. They pay more for first place than they do for second. Yeah, if you go to these races, first place gets a bigger prize check than second. Yeah, so I was like, whoa, mackerel, you know, so I'm going to win them. I'm going to win them. Well, if you're winning for running for money, that means everybody else there trying to run for money too, they try and take your money. So you can't be at a marathon wanting to make friends because they're trying to steal your money. You know, you got to run every man for themselves. So I'm in this marathon in Pennsylvania. Boy, it's 80 degrees out. It's hot. There's a Kenyan Solomon too. Solomon too. He's a great guy. But he's trying to take my money. That's $3,300 for winning that sucker. We take off running. and Now, when I run marathons, I always try to pick a spirit animal to be. So I decided I was going to be a farm dog that race. I was going to be a farm dog. You know how farm dogs are. They like to lay in the shade. They lay in the shade all day. And then all of a sudden, they attack. Or they attack. And they attack hard. So it was a real hot day. So I decided I was going to be in the shade. No matter how the road went, curvy in Pennsylvania, I stayed in the shade. And I stayed about 15 seconds behind Solomon. I was right there in the tack boat. I was watching him just kind of creeping around. I'm going to get him. I'm going to get him. We go into mile 22. I'll get a little bit behind him. Now, please don't judge me for what I did. Like I say, I was going to make 3,300 bucks if I win. Second is 925. That's a lot of difference. 3,300, 925. You know, you got you to go to all the tactics you can. So we're going into mile 22, and this lady's at the water table. She's got two cups of water. It's just me and him. I'm like, well, I got an idea. I sprint right in front of him and take both cups of water. <laughs> I did it. I did it. I sure did. Every man for themselves, you know what I mean? I phew, right in front of him. I grabbed them cups of water, dumped one on my head, drink the other, and I just give it a go, you know. 
Well, guess what? I looked back over my shoulder, and he had to stop and get his water. And I felt bad shaking his hand after we raced and saying, good job, Solomon. I felt so bad, but I took the money home with me. <laughs> you know what I mean? I did. I took it right home. So anyway, that was a fun race. But uh, So I used running to, uh, to beat poverty. Here I am. I won. I'm doing great. I'm winning marathons all over the country. I did it uh, everywhere. Uh, I haven't won a marathon in Wisconsin or Wisconsin, but I won it in everybody else's, all the other states, basically. And uh, next thing you know, I'm at this marathon in Missouri. Now, I've won this marathon five years in a row. So I should win it again, all right? I'm, I'm going to win it again, six years in a row, right? I'm going up this hill at mile 11. Here I'm going, doing well. All of a sudden, I get climbing up this hill at mile 11. I can't breathe no more. I have to stop. Right in the middle of the race, I can't breathe. What the world's going on? I don't know what the matter is. So I, that was weird. Not too long later, I'm at home, carrying some furniture upstairs in my house. I walk up the steps. I can't breathe. I got to sit down. My neighbor, he's like, you all right? I said, I don't know. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I don't know what's the matter with me. Well, it just kept getting worse and worse. I can't breathe. And then pretty soon now I can't eat. I went from not being able to breathe good to I'm choking on food. I choked on some food. Well, that was weird. Or maybe I just was talking too much. I talk a lot. Maybe I was just talking too much while I was eating, you know. And my wife, yeah, yeah, probably just talking too much, you know. So I, I tried to eat, not talk. That was hard. So then uh, try to eat and drink. That don't work. I keep choking on food. So I'm choking on food for like a whole year. I've had the Heimlich done Southside Soda Shop, Subway. I had all these restaurants, you know, in town. Heimlich done on me. And that, it's real hard to do the Heimlich on me because my abs are so strong. People can't push in very good. So it's very dangerous for me to choke. So I'm choking a lot. And uh, next thing you know, I can't even get soup to go down. I can't, I can't swallow soup. You know how hard it is to not <laughs> to choke on liquid? It's, got, it's almost impossible to choke on liquid. So my wife, she said, we better take you to the hospital. I, I, I hate spending money. I hate spending money. Oh, my goodness. So we go to the hospital. They knew the old camera down my esophagus, cut a chunk out. Tell me all the things it could be. Oh, it could be this, this, or this, or this, or this, or this, or this. You know, you're at home working on WebMD. What's the matter with me? And you're like, you're all, all worried, you know. Swine flu, bird flu, all these things you could have. And, well, five months after that first hospital visit, I finally get a diagnosis. He said, it's going to be a hard one for you to beat, the doctor says. You're going to be dealing with this the rest of your life. Well, that ain't good for nobody. And then he said, uh, it's going to take you two years until you can eat better. So here I am, prime of my life. My athletic career derailed by choking. It's ridiculous. Who would ever think of such a bad thing to happen? Yes. So I, all right, well, doctor, what are you going to do, you know? So he gives me some medicines. I start taking all these medicines. I felt, I felt like an old man, senior citizen. You know, put my Monday pills, my Tuesday pills. You know, put them in the pills in a little pill box. Yeah. Well, anyways, oh. 11 months after that doctor diagnosis, I just decided to heck with it. I'm done with this stuff. I don't want to deal with this anymore. You know how hard it is to be scared to eat a carrot? It's hard. I mean, carrots, I'm scared of those suckers. Turkey, carrots, anything I've choked on, I've become scared of. Bread, 
So you start getting afraid to eat food. And you have to eat in order to run. You have to eat in order to stay alive. You have to eat three times a day. And I'm scared to eat. So I decided, heck with it. I'm going to drop out. Drop out of this race called life. We get back from swimming practice one day. I tell the son, I said, he's at well, seven, eight years old. I said, you're a good boy. It's not your fault. Dad's got this condition. I don't want to deal with it anymore. So I'm, I'm going to end my life, son. So I tell my boy everything that I want to tell him that he can carry with him the rest of his life. He goes in the house. I stay in the car. My wife comes out. My wife comes out. She's like, what's the matter with you? Why ain't you coming in the house? I say, I'm tired of being afraid to eat. You don't realize how hard it is emotionally to have to sit down to eat when you know you're going to choke. It sucks. It just, it's terrible. And uh, so she's like, well, what are you going to do about it? I said, well, I'm going to just finish my life off. I mean, I don't want to eat, live like this the rest of my life. She's getting all emotional and stuff. And she says, well, why don't you call your friend Kevin? Kevin's my best friend. I said, I am not going to call Kevin. I imagine if I call Kevin, how's that conversation going to go? Hey, Kevin, yeah, I'm 34 years old, and I'm afraid of a carrot. But he would laugh at me. You know, <laughs> I'm not calling Kevin. He said, she said, well, call Doug. And Doug is in the audience. Doug's one of my better friends. Call Doug. It's like, I'm not calling Doug. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> she said, well, you got to call Lyle then. I, I'm not calling Lyle either. That was it. I only have three friends, so <laughs> she was out of options. She was out of options. <laughs> so, so she said, well... So she sits in the car with me, and she talks with me, and she gives me the ultimatum. She said, if you're going to kill yourself, you got to tell me where to find the body. I said, oh, that's great. I know where I'm going to do that. Yeah, that ain't no problem. She said, if you're going to kill yourself, why would you do it before the doctor said you're going to be better? The doctor said you're going to be better in two years. Why give up after 11 months? And I own life. You have the option, no matter if it's a marathon or if it's poverty or if it's a stupid esophagus thing, to choose two things. You can be the victor. Or you can be the victim. Right there, I was starting to feel pity on myself. I was starting to feel like, man, my own life sucks. I'm the best athlete there is, and now I can't even eat. You know, I was choking on oatmeal, everything. I was choosing just to play the victim role. But my wife, she was encouraging me, no, no, you can overcome this. Be the victor. It's better. It's more rewarding. So she said, I got, tell me where you're going to kill yourself at so I know where to find the body. And I was like, all right, no problem. And she, then she hit me with a hard one. She said, if you're going to kill yourself, guess what you got to do first? You got to go to church and talk to one of the preachers. And by God, I don't want to talk to a preacher, so I, I ain't doing that. I ain't going to go talk to a preacher. So then uh, she said, well, how about you just at least try to get to the end of the two years that the doctor gave you? I said, all right, all right, I'll try my best, you know. Well, I get you out of the car. I don't want to go inside and sleep. It gets you off my case for a few days. So I went back and... Spent the next few days just thinking about my life. Just thinking, thinking about my life. And uh, hope that guy up there texting is texting somebody important. But anyhow, um, I thought about that life goals list I wrote when I was 13. I still got that. What did I have on my list of life I want to achieve? I wanted to beat generational poverty. Hell, I haven't even done that yet. I still had a house debt. My, my mom's parents lost their house, and my dad's mom, she didn't have drinking water. Well, I'm not doing any good for my kids if I'm dead, so I better pay my house off before I die. Well, I went down to the bank and paid my house off. And then uh, I got to think about some other things on that list. You know what was on that list? 
91 awards. I thought I was going to have to get 91 awards in order to beat generational poverty. Well, guess what? I was at 91 marathon wins at that time. I was like, wow, what a weird coincidence. And uh, so anyhow, my wife, she just kept on me. She kept on me. She, she said, oh, you know, you just keep working at it. It'll get better. When you're afraid to eat food, it's, it becomes a, a, a paralyzation, and, and you get nervous to eat. And, uh, so I stayed the course. And uh, about eight months later, I was eating, and it tasted good. That was the first time I enjoyed a meal in like three years. Like, Woo-hoo, getting there, you know. And then from there, it just kept getting better tasted and better tasted. And then pretty soon, I started getting better. About exactly two years after the doctor gave me the prognosis, I started being able to eat better. Now, I'm not saying I enjoy eating, but I can at least eat. Uh, I have not had the Heimlich on me since January. So I'm uh, three months of greatness, you know. Um, so I'm beating this. I'm beating this. Uh, let's see, what else I want to talk about? Uh, let see, we choked, we beat poverty. Uh, we ran a lot of marathons. Is there anything else I want to talk about? I could talk about my basketball career, but that never took off. That <laughs> never took off. <laughs> I sat on the bench a lot. Um, yeah, so after I started being able to eat better, I started being able to run better. And uh, I'm not as good as I was, but, but I can run better now. And uh, I enjoy life now again. Um, and so, like I say, I won my 100th marathon. And the next things I want to do is I want to win a marathon in every state. And... Uh, I just don't see any reason now why I wouldn't try to win more of the marathons than the other guy that's ahead of me. I mean, why not? Um, I got uh, only one shot at this. I think one thing that my esophagus did is it gave me a different perspective on it. You know, you got one opportunity. You might as well uh, seize the moment. Be the victor. Don't be the victim. And so anyway, I, I guess that's, that's the summarization of, of, of my life and... and uh, that's all they paid for me to talk about. I'm out of there. They ran out of money. time, but Justin's here. If you have some questions you want to ask him afterward, come on up. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, right. I got to take it.